And good afternoon. It's 5 o'clock. You're in tune to 89.3 FM WMKV. It is 92 degrees. And once again, we have a smog alert that has been issued for today and tomorrow, July 7th and July 8th, for Boone, Butler, Campbell, Claremont, Hamilton, Kenton, and Warren counties. Air pollution levels expected to be high enough and unhealthy for sensitive groups, including seniors, children, and people with respiratory problems. And you're advised to stay indoors during the smog alert, if at all possible. We'll have more on the weather coming up in just a moment. The Cincinnati Public School Board met today to talk about the issue of transportation. The board voted on two things, a 48-hour waiver to consider adopting a transportation mileage change and approving a resolution that supports the mileage change, which includes a mile for grade school and 1.25 miles for high school, as well as new safety routes implemented. The change would mean grade school students living a mile or more and high school students living more than one and a quarter miles or more from their schools would have to find their own transportation. New school board members Vanessa White and Sean T. Parker said they didn't approve of transportation change. The school board is looking to cut roughly $20 million from their budget and school authorities have said busing may be one area the district has to make cuts in. The school board passed a temporary budget last week. Kentucky Governor Steve Beshear has directed that flags at all state office buildings be lowered to half-staff tomorrow, Thursday, July 8th, in honor of Bellevue soldier, uh, the Bellevue soldier killed in Afghanistan. Specialist Russell E. Madden, age 29, died June 23rd uh, in the Konar province in Afghanistan. A wound suffered from insurgents attacking the vehicle with rocket fire. He was assigned to the 1st Squadron, 91st Cavalry Regiment, 173rd Airborne Brigade Combat Team, the Kahn Barracks in Germany. Funeral services for Madden will be held tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. at the Divine Mercy Parish in Bellevue, Kentucky. Burial services will immediately follow at St. Stephen Cemetery in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Governor Bashir has directed that flags at all state offices be lowered to half-staff from sunrise to sunset tomorrow. Not even one week after raiding Ohio Trade Company on Colerain Avenue and the Colerain Township Police Department website sees more than 11,000 hits. That's because the department posted photographs and information on more than 800 items from the business, hundreds believed to be stolen from car and home break-ins in the region. The raid was prompted by a complaint from a man whose GPS was stolen. The man told police he went to buy a new one at the Ohio Trade Company, and his GPS was there, he said. He matched the serial numbers, but the store wouldn't turn it over to him. He filed a report with police, and they started their investigation. An accident on southbound I-275 just south of the Loveland-Madeira Road exit blocked all lanes for a short time this afternoon. The accident happened just before 2.30 p.m. All lanes were reopened by 3. No life-threatening injuries were reported. The record-breaking heat wave scorching many parts of the U.S. is likely to last through the weekend in many areas, taxing people's health and utility companies' ability to keep the lights and air conditioning and fans up and running. And humidity, especially along the East Coast, will rise today, only making matters worse, meteorologists say. We'll have local weather coming up in a moment. Let's take a look at what's going on in stocks. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped back above 10,000 as encouraging earnings forecasts from the financial companies boosted confidence on Wall Street. The Dow climbed 275 points, or 2.8 percent, to 10,018. The S&P 500 rose 32 points, or 3.1 percent, to 1060. And the Nasdaq 
gained 66 points, or 3.3% to 2159. Shares of State Street, one of New York Stock Exchange's top performers, rose almost 10% after it issued a fiscal second quarter profit outlook that topped Wall Street's estimates. And the financial sector also climbed with the financial select sector, or SPDR, exchange-traded fund, up 4.3%. Let's take now a look at what happened on Today in History. Time now to take a look at Today in History on this July the 7th. 1754, King's College opened in New York City. The Institution of Higher Learning admitted eight students and one faculty member, Dr. Samuel Johnson, who also served as school president. These were very humble beginnings for a school which would become one of the largest in the U.S. 1937, Lou Gehrig hit a two-run homer to lead the American League over the National 8-3 in the All-Star Game at Old Griffith Stadium in Washington, D.C. Pitcher Dizzy Dean of the Cardinals suffered a career-shortening broken toe on his left foot during that game. 1943, for the first time, Flash Gun Casey was heard on radio. Not much later, the name of the program was altered to Casey Crime Reporter, and became much more popular. And 1949, Jack Webb's Dragnet was first heard on NBC Radio this day. The program was the first to dramatize cases from actual police files. The composer of the original Dragnet theme was Walter Schumann. That included, of course, the dum-da-dum-dum, possibly the most famous four-note introduction in radio. That's a look at Today in History on WMKV. And if Vina is not nice, I will hum her theme at the beginning of Real Life Real Estate Investing coming up in just a moment. Stay tuned with your questions for Vina Jones-Cox coming up. Hey, we have some accidents to pass along for you. Not a good start to our 5 o'clock hour today. Eastbound 275, we have an accident at 5 Mile. No other information available from Artemis right now, but we'll let you know as we get them in the next break. We have accidents at Paddock in Tennessee. State Route 128 and Willie, an accident with injuries there. Elm and Main in Milford at 8680 Beachmont Avenue. The eastbound lanes in front of the Target are closed. Liberty and Redding, an accident. Rybold and Taylor. Northbound 71, we have an accident between Ridge and Red Bank on the left shoulder. Sunset in Queen City, an accident with injuries. Forrester and Mill. And one accident has been cleared from our last report. Eastbound 275, just east of 71. All lanes are now open. Tonight, clear sky. Oh, by the way, Artemis updates always available by dialing 511. Clear skies tonight with a low in the upper 60s. Tomorrow, partly sunny. We do have a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon with a high in the lower 90s. Thursday night, partly cloudy. That chance of showers and thunderstorms continues into the evening, then mostly cloudy and a chance of thunderstorms after midnight with a low in the lower 70s. Our chance of rain tomorrow night, 50%. Friday, mostly cloudy. Showers and thunderstorms are more likely with a chance of rain of 60%. And Friday night, partly cloudy, still a chance of some rainfall in the area. Right now, you're listening to 89.3 FM WMKV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. 
Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio source for up-to-date, no-hype real estate investing education. And you can become a fan of Real Life Real Estate by going to realliferealestateradio.com. And if you're wondering what being a fan gets you well, it gets you the company of 5,000 other fans. It gets you weekly updates on our show that's coming up, gives you the chance to ask questions ahead of time that we can then answer here on the radio, because I know many of you, yay, and they get George applause. is a fan. <laughs> uh, many of you uh, are actually in places in the country where Real Life Real Estate is played during the middle of your workday, and you cannot listen live, so you listen to the podcasts on iTunes, but uh, you can still get your questions answered by knowing ahead of time what the guest is, what the topic is, and you can do that by going to realliferealestateradio.com. So, um, don't forget that the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati is holding a an all-day session on Saturday on ugly houses, how to wholesale them, retail them, fix them up, make money holding them, etc. You can get more information about that all-day seminar at RIA's website at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's com. It'll be a good one. It's myself and Jerry Fink teaching that one for RIA. So uh, we look forward to seeing you there. We've got a very interesting topic today on real life real estate investing. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading a book uh, called The Dip by Seth Grodin, I believe his name is, Grodin or Grondin. And uh, he, he, he makes the argument that the way to be successful in any business is to be the best in the world at some smaller part of the business. I mean, are you going to be the best real estate investor in the whole wide world? Probably not. How do we even measure that? You know, how, how, do, how do we know you're the best real estate investor in the whole wide world? But when you find a little niche in real estate that other people aren't doing and yet is tried and true and proven and profitable, it's easy to become the best in your area at that thing. And this is one of those things. We're going to talk today about buying and selling judgments and liens. And my guest today is Michael Warren, who is a real estate investor who primarily focuses on pre-foreclosures in his real estate business. He is also a nationally known expert and in fact, I think the only nationally known expert on the topic of judgment leads, speaking of finding a niche and filling it. He's joining us now from his home in Colorado. Welcome, Michael. Hey, Vina. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm really glad to have you because the thing that you do is is really, I mean, it's it's really kind of interbred with real estate, and yet so few real estate investors have thought of it or are doing it. And if they are, they're keeping it a big secret because they probably dominate their market <laughs> in this in this arena. And uh, it's, it's, it's this idea that there are other kinds of judgments and liens out in the world other than mortgages and tax liens. Absolutely. There's a lot that's out there. And uh, I think what you just said, that people are keeping it secret, because it's one of those little profit centers that you can make money on these debts attached to these houses, 
And the cool thing about Athena is that you don't even need to buy these houses to still make money on them. You can let other people buy them, and you still make a profit. And so, of course, a lot of people don't want the rest of the, of the world, all these other investors, knowing about it. You know, But I've been doing this for, for gosh, what, 20-some years now. So uh, uh, it, it works. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, Michael, let, let, let's, let's start out with just kind of your story of how you – how you discovered this thing and, and, and started doing it and decided to make it such a big part of your business. Well, you know, I, um, interesting story is that I actually started out when I lent somebody money and this was 20 some years ago and the lady didn't pay me, had to take, I had to take her to court. I got a judgment against her and I ended up having a lien on her house and I ultimately ended up collecting on it and I figured out, wow, you know, there, there's these, these judgments are out there, and so I started actually collecting on judgments, and then I started figuring out, well, you know, there's got to be other ways that you can profit on some of these judgments that are out there. And so I started looking at them saying, okay, well, what happens if a house has a judgment? Because, I, you know, over the years, you know, I've I bought and sold hundreds of houses, uh, most of which had required little or none of my own money. And one of the things I found along the way is that every time I bought a house, and I wanted to get title insurance on that property, I would have to make sure all of the existing liens were paid off on that property. For instance, a mortgage or a tax lien or a judgment lien that may have been attached to the property. So it had to get paid off. And so I I was buying lots of these judgments, and I still buy these judgments today. But what I figured out is that, oh my gosh, you know what? I wonder if somebody would give me the right to buy that judgment without actually requiring me to put the money up front. Because I, when, when it required my own money, and, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, when it requires a lot of your own cash up front, you can only do so many deals. So I started to think, well, how can I make this happen in such a way that it doesn't require a lot of my money? So I, I started taking some older techniques that I learned, and, and Vina, I know you know this technique, which is you can go out you can option the right to buy a house. Well, I said, well, if I can option the right to buy a house at a certain price, why can't I option the right to buy a judgment at a certain price? And so I started trying that. And next thing you know, it's like, wow, I work. People were more than happy to sell me these judgments or the right to buy these judgments at these huge discounts. And so now what I do is I, I go out, I look for these properties that are for sale or under contract. Uh, I, I didn't find out if there are any judgments against them. I go and I, I find out who the creditor is. I option the judgment. And then get this, Vina, you're going to love this. I only option it for one little dollar. I mean, you can't even beat that at the McDonald's dollar meal because you got taxes. So I can get it for less than what you can at a, a McDonald's meal. Uh, so I get it for one dollar, excuse me, the right to buy it at some discounted amount at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. So when the property goes to sale, or when it goes to closing, rather, the title company, in order to give clear title, they got to pay off the judgment. Well, they don't pay it off at the amount that I option it for. They pay it off typically at full value. And I get to keep the difference between what I agreed to pay the original creditor and what I actually paid for it. That's profit, and that check is cut to me by the title company. I didn't buy a house. I didn't wholesale a house. I didn't fix it. I didn't rehab it. I didn't come up with the money to buy the house. I didn't even come up with the money to buy the judgment. It all came out of the payoff proceeds, and yet I got a check by the title company. And this is the, the niche that I'm in that a lot of people are saying, well, Mike, you got to teach me that stuff. I want to know how to do that. You know, it, it, I tell you, Vina, it's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> now, <clears throat> this, this, this idea that you're throwing out there is going to be so foreign to some of the folks that are listening that what I'd like you to do is is just walk us through a typical deal. Typically, what is the judgment? Who's it owed to? How did it get there? And 
how and then and then and then what exactly do you do with it dollar wise okay not a problem I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through a to z and if it if there's something that doesn't make sense or you're not, you're, you think the listeners i might have gone you know something over somebody's head you know interrupt me and we'll back up and we'll take it from there okay um so let's say that I go out and I'm doing some research on the internet. And here's how I do it. I go out and I, a lot of people, they go out and they find the property and they deal with the property. Me, I do it a, a slightly different way. I go out and I look for properties that somebody else is already buying. So, Vina, let's say that you find a property that's for sale for $100,000. And you go in and you negotiate and you work out a deal and you buy it for, let's say, 90000 Well, actually, let's, let's make our numbers nice and easy, nice and rounded. So let's just say that you agreed to buy this house for $100,000. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you have it under contract and you go out and you get a mortgage on the property. Well, when you go to get a mortgage, it's going to take you 30 to 45 days to go through all the paperwork, the application, and actually buy the house. What I do is I'm letting my fingers do the walking here from Colorado. You're in Cincinnati, and I find out, oh, wait, there's some property that's going that's under contract. Somebody else has already agreed to buy the house. So I go look at the property. I look to see, well, who's got the, uh, you know, who's the owner of the property? And it says John Jones is the owner of the property, and I don't know who the buyer is. That It doesn't tell me that, okay? So I don't know that it's you, Vina, that's buying it. I just know that somebody's buying it. Mm-hmm. And John Jones has his house. And it turns out that John Jones has a judgment against them for, let's say, $10,000, and it was a result of an automobile accident where, you know, he was late at night one time, he fell asleep, he drove it through somebody's yard and, and smashed it inside of their house, and he has a $10,000 judgment against them. Mm-hmm. Well, I do a little bit of research. I find out that John Jones had that judgment. Um, I contact the person who has that judgment against him. In other words, the homeowner that John Jones crashed uh, whose house he crashed into. And so let's say we'll give that person, give her a name of Paula. Okay, so I, t- I contact Paula, the creditor, and I say, hey, Paula, I noticed that you have this judgment against John Jones. Would you like to get some cash for that judgment? She says, yeah, she'd like to get cash because let's say uh, that this judgment's a couple years old. Well, most judgments around the country gain interest at about 10% per year. Well, and, and I'll come back to that in just a second, but let's say this $10,000 judgment, she hasn't heard from um, John Jones in three years. Well, it's got three years worth of back interest. She's got no payments, nothing. All of a sudden, I come around and I say, I'll give you cash for the judgment, and I'll see what I can do to collect against John Jones later. She says, okay, what, what can we do? And, and I talk to her, and I use some of my, my little handy-dandy tricks of knowing exactly how to negotiate and what to say to get the best deal. And what we're buying these for today, Vina, right now, is we buy them on average about $0.10 cents on the dollar. Because here, here's the key ingredient. Now, I know there's, there's probably some of your listeners are saying, 10 cents on the dollar, are you kidding me? But it's true, and the reason why is because Paula, the creditor, she's not gotten any payments in three years. She probably has not heard from John, um, John Jones in three years. And any cash that she can get today is better than the, the 100% of the nothing, that worthless document that she already has. So I'll buy that judgment, or rather I agree to buy that judgment from her for $1,000. So it's based on we got a $10,000 judgment, it's three years old, and I agree to buy it for $1,000. Now, in order to make it happen, what I do is I do it by what's called an option. So I say to Paula, I say, hey, Paula, I need to get an option, which gives me the right to buy this judgment. Now, I have to do it on an option so I can check out to make sure that this is a good judgment. I'm not going to just take Paula's word for it. If I just take Paula's word for it, you know, buyer beware, and, and I'm the buyer, so I could be just throwing my money out. And so I want to check to make sure I've got really a good deal here. 
So I want to check out, you know, does John Jonas actually have this judgment? Has it been paid off? Does he actually own a house? I check all those things out. And so I need a little bit of time to check it out. And so Paula says, okay, well, I'll give you the option to do it. And so I'll, I'll go for, let's say, 120 days. Well, I already know the house is under contract. So typically, Vina, in your area, and so I'm going to ask you this question. Typically, in your area, if a property is under contract, how long before it typically goes to closing? Oh, 45, 60 days, if you're lucky. <laughs> okay, so 45, 60 days, worst case, 90 days, right? Mm-hmm, right. Okay, so my options are all for 120 days or more. So I'm going to option it today. I already know the house is on a contract, so i got more than enough time to let this property go to closing. At the closing table, here's what happens. I contact the title company. They see that I have an option to buy this judgment. They see the judgments there. But in order for them to give clear title to you, Vina, and I, I assume, Vina, that when you buy a property, you want clear title on a property, right? Oh, yeah. So that means you're going to have all the previous mortgages and any judgments and any taxes paid off. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Okay. So in order to give clear title, they got to pay all that stuff off, which means my $10,000 judgment has to pay off. So they're going to... They're going to pay off the first mortgage first, and then before John Jonas gets any money out of this house, he has to pay off my judgment. Now, it doesn't matter what the debt is on the property. If he wants to give clear title, he's got to pay me off, which means I'm going to get a $10,000 check. But that's not really the whole story. Vina, if, if we go back, and remember I said this judgment was how many years old? Did you, do you remember how many years old it was? Uh, f- uh, she, hasn't even heard, she hasn't even heard from him in two years. <laughs> right, she hasn't heard, so it's actually it was three years old, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And a $10,000 judgment, gaining interest at 10%, and that's the average around the country. So that's $1,000 a year in interest. So really, the the full value that's owed on that judgment is $13,000. And you follow the math, right? I want to make sure mm-hmm. if, if you follow it, then everybody else will, will follow it as, as well. Mm-hmm. But we got thirteen grand total value that's owed, so that's the payoff amount the title company will be paying. Now, the title company is going to say, well, Mike, you're, you agreed to buy this judgment for $1,000. Where's $1,000? I said, well, I want you to take it, Mr. Title Company, out of the payoff proceeds of this judgment. So out of the $13,000, they're going to take $1,000 out. They're going to pay that over to Paula. So they're going to cut the check to Paula, and they're going to give me a check then, Vina, for guess how much? 12000 bucks. 12000 bucks. So I just made $12,000. I didn't buy your house, Vina. You bought it. You do whatever you want with the house. doesn't matter to me. I made a $12,000 payday, and I only had at risk $1. And let's say for whatever reason, Vina, that you backed out of this deal and you didn't want to buy the house, I can just walk away from this deal. I have no liability, no financial risk whatsoever because I have an under an option agreement. I only have $1 out of pocket. So my only real financial risk here, Vina, is $1 of what I paid for the option. Very That's sweet. That's what I do. And, <laughs> and we need to take a quick break. But before we do, I want to invite listeners to call with any questions you have about this concept of buying and selling judgments and liens at 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us on the internet, 877-772-9658 is the number to call. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 
7342. And good afternoon. It's 90 degrees at 523. You're listening to WNKV and Real Life Real Estate Investing, 772-9658, the phone number if you'd like to join the conversation, or 877-772-9658, long distance. Let's check weather for traffic for you first. Uh, right now we have a reported accident westbound 74 uh, near State Route 128. Also eastbound 275, an accident at 5 Mile. We have an accident in Paddock at Tennessee, State Route 128 in Willie, an accident with injuries. Elm and Maine in Milford, we have a reported accident. Artem is also reporting an accident, accident 8680 Beachmont. The eastbound lane in front of Target is blocked. And Sunset and Queen City, an accident with injuries. And Forrester and Mill. You can always get Artemis updates from most phones by dialing 511. It's 90 degrees right now. Tonight, clear skies with a low in the upper 60s. Tomorrow, partly sunny, a slight chance of a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon with a high in the lower 90s. Again, 90 degrees at 89.3 FM, WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our topic today is buying and selling judgments and liens that are against real estate, but that aren't mortgages or tax liens, which is, of course, what everyone's doing and everyone's talking about. Not that those aren't good strategies, but wouldn't you rather go after the ones that nobody's doing? And that's what... That's what Michael Warren is talking about today. We can take any questions you have at 772-9658, or via email at askvina at gmail.com. And uh, Michael, it's interesting that you, you, you talk about this because I'm, I'm sure that a lot of, a lot of people think, well, you know, th- those, those must be few and far between, or I would, I would have heard of them. How 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 big is the market? Because I mean, you're looking for something pretty specific. You're looking for a non-mortgage judgment again or lien against a property that is about to be sold. Seriously, what am I going to find? Like two of these? No, Vina. Actually, I, I what what's the exact number? I don't. I, let, let me back it up and answer it a slightly different way. And all the research I've done, and here's how I've done my research: is because I travel a lot. And I like to either visit the county courthouses or I will call them up and I talk to them. And all the research I've done and talking with all these county clerks is that on average there are 50,000 new judgments created every single year in every single courthouse in every single county of which there are 3,300 counties in the United States. That's a $75 billion a year business um, just in new judgments created every year. In reality, when you look at... Um, going back just 10 years, we're looking at a $2 trillion industry of judgments that are sitting there, of which 85 to 90 percent of all of those judgments remain uncollected, unpaid, or unsatisfied. Mm. And, and, and so there's a lot that's out there. We should also say it's not, it's not that no one is, is working the business of judgments. I mean, there, there are gigantic companies who buy judgments from doctor's offices and uh, insurance companies and you know all those sorts of things and and then they make you know collection calls and try and try and get the money uh they, it's it's not that this that this that you invented this business what you did was you, you applied it to real estate by saying i am looking for the stuff that's got real estate backing it right i only went after the those assets that have um collateral or those 
essentially pieces of paper that have some kind of collateral that can't be moved or hidden. So it's really hard to go and move a house. I mean, granted, you can jack up a house, but it takes a whole lot of effort. Everybody knows this is it's not like a car that can go hide and hide away somewhere. A house, real property, and the dirt, really hard to move. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I look for, and I go after those. And then I look for motivated um, people who want to pay this stuff off, meaning that they're selling a house. And when you put those two pieces together, and I got a judgment, I know I got a payday coming. The question is not if I'm going to have a payday. The question is just when. Mm-hmm. I just have to figure out, well, how long does it take for it to go to closing? And that's when I get paid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was sharing with you uh, before the before the show that I recently ran across a situation that I think is exactly what you would be looking for. Now, it wasn't one where I was looking at the judgment saying, oh, I should buy that. I was actually buying the house itself. But there was a there was a second on this house that <clears throat> way exceeded the value uh, when you when you combine the first and this lien, okay, it way exceeded the value of the property. But the second was so large that you know if 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 you got paid half of what would owe, of what was owed there, uh, you know it would have been a fifteen thousand dollar payday for you. And it was it happened to be to a um, a nursing home, which I, I run across those more frequently than you would think. When when, a, when an older older person moves out of their house, moves into a nursing home, builds up a bill, still has the house, the nursing home will attach the house to get paid. And uh, they agreed, the nursing home agreed to take a payoff of half of what was owed. And if Michael had had that nice. under, if Michael had had that under contract for a thousand dollars, Michael would have walked away with fourteen thousand dollar profit because I'm closing the house next week. It was, the house was already under contract to sell. And you're absolutely right. All I would have had to do, Vina, was uh, let my fingers do the do the walking out on my internet keyboard, open up a browser, go out there, um, find what properties were for sale. Could have found that property that you had. And I, all I would have had to do was just option it. And at closing, when you go to closing, I would have made a nice big old paycheck, fourteen grand. Mm-hmm. Would have been sweet. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly and right. They're not hard to do. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we have a question here via email from Tim. He does not say where he's from. Remember, when you send us emails at asvin at gmail dot com, please let us know where you are from because uh, sometimes that affects the answer. And I don't know in this case, Michael, whether it would affect the answer, but. Tim says, is there any special licensing that one needs to do this? Is there, is there, do I have to have a debt collector's license in my state? Are, are there any, is there any legislation around this that would require someone to have a special kind of license or permit? You know, that's a, it's a great question. And the easy answer is no. Um, and here's the reason why is that when I'm buying judgments or I'm optioning judgment, I'm optioning it for my own personal portfolio. So when I do it in my, for myself, I can go out and I can buy anything, just like I can buy a house and I don't need a, a license, at least not yet anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I don't have to have a license to buy a house. I don't have to have a license to buy a car. I have to have a driver's license. But when I'm buying judgments, I don't have to have a collector's license. I don't have to be an attorney. I don't have to be licensed or bonded. I don't have to have any of those things because I am buying this account for myself and it's being paid off um, voluntarily by the debtor when they go to give clear title to the new buyer and I get a payday. So um, absolutely not. No licensing or anything is required. And this works not only um, being in the United States, but it also works in Canada. Okay. Okay. Same way. Okay. And we have a question here uh, via email at askvina at gmail.com. 
Uh, this one is from Lori, and I'm sorry I clicked on it and then I unclicked it. So I, <laughs> I, I hate it when that happens. Um, I, I, I have to go back here and find it. Okay, uh, Lori says, what I don't understand is how do you know which properties are already under contract? Oh, that's real easy. Um, here, here's the most visual way to think about it. When you drive, Vina and Lori, I'm sure you do the same thing. When you're driving through our neighborhood, do you ever see a house that has a for sale sign on it but it says under contract or sale pending? Mm-hmm. Vina, do you see that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every one of those is a house that's under contract. they got a buyer. All i got to do is go type in that address of that property, see who the owner is, and then go see if that owner has any judgments against them. If they have a judgment against them, I'm going to go option it. Mm-hmm. And I only have a dollar at risk. So I can either drive through a neighborhood or I can go online and find out which properties are under contract or have sale pendings. Or I can talk to a local realtor friend of mine and find literally however many properties I can handle, they can give me. Mm-hmm. So it's real easy and it's all free information. Yeah. Uh, Lori, I don't, I don't know anybody in the world who doesn't have a friend with a realtor's license. And I, <laughs> I would think the easiest way to do it is have, your, have one of your realtor friends set up a... Uh, a search for you in the MLS for pending properties, for pending sales. I mean, that would literally, it would take her 10 minutes to set up the search, and then it takes, you know, five seconds to run it every week. And, and you can get a yep. complete list of whatever's pending uh, that way. That seems like, you know, if, if if there was an easy way to do it, that would be it. Maybe you could offer your realtor friend a, a referral fee, you know, when, when a deal closed or something. So uh, there you- you know, it's really easy too, Vina, to take your friend out to lunch. I mean, they are a friend, so take them out to lunch. Hey, can you do me a favor? You know, so for a $20 lunch, you know, go give me a 1,000 or 1,500 properties I can go look at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's real mm-hmm. easy. We need to take another quick break. Uh, you can talk to Michael Warren about judgments and liens at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. WMKV is proudly supported by the new Kensington Place Apartments at Mabel Knoll Village. The 56 new apartments offer a wide variety of floor plans and access to all the services and amenities available through Maple Knoll Village. The new Kensington Place Apartments, a place to live an active lifestyle in retirement. More information on the new Kensington Place is available at 513-782-2717. If you love music, you'll love WMKV's evening lineup tonight. At 8 p.m. after Mystery Playhouse, it's Hit Parade Highlights. At 9 o'clock tonight, Don't Miss In Concert. And at 10 p.m., Barbershop Harmony. Followed at 11 p.m. by Music Till Midnight. Your favorites are right here every day on 89.3 FM, WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be. And good afternoon. It's 534 and 90 degrees. You're in tune to 89.3 FM and Real Life Real Estate Investing with Vena Jones-Cox. Open lines at 772-9658 if you'd like to join the conversation or toll free 877 877- Seven seven two nine six five eight. Checking traffic for you right now. We have a disabled car northbound seventy one, just north of the tunnel near downtown. It's partially blocking the right lane, creating a few problems. A lot of accidents have been cleaned up from our last report. We'll pass along the ones that are still causing problems. A new accident, Dana at Wabash. 
Also, eastbound 275 at 5 Mile. No lane given by Artemis on that one, but there is an accident in that vicinity, which will cause some slowing of traffic. Panock and Tennessee, an accident, and State Route 128 at Willie, an accident with injuries. You can always get more Artemis updates by dialing 511. More now of Real Life Real Estate Investing with Vena Jones-Cox on WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Michael Warren about optioning judgments that you know are going to be paid off pretty quickly and making money doing that. And listeners, I'm going to say something now that I want you to take as a big, big clue. And I want you to pay attention and stay tuned, okay? Michael is one of the featured speakers at the 2010 OREA convention, which is coming up in November on the 12th through the 14th. It is massive. It is motivational. It is educational. It is cheap. And you're going to be able to pledge to public radio to get your seat at that OREA convention. We will have more details about that in the upcoming weeks. But I just want you to get out your calendar right now. And just cross out November 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th, because you're going to be in Dayton, Ohio. And when this comes around, we don't want you saying, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to give some money to public radio, but I can't go because I can't get off work. Get off work now. <laughs> you do not want to miss this. More information coming up about that in the next few weeks. Um, Michael, I have an email here from James, who is in Nashville. Hey, Nashville. I'm going to be in Nashville next week. Woohoo! Uh, James in Nashville, who has two questions. The first one is, how do I prove that I own this lien? What kind of paperwork would be necessary to do this? Um, actually, that's a really good question. What was the name again? One more time. It's James. 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 Yes. James. James. Um, so, James, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, James, that's a really good question. You need a couple documents. In order to prove that you own the lien, you would need an assignment of judgment, okay? An assignment of judgment would specify um, that the creditor has assigned all ownership rights and interests in that judgment. They've assigned it over to you, and it also um, gives you now the power to go out and collect on that judgment. So that's what you need in order to option a judgment. Now, that, that's a little bit different. You need an option agreement, and you need a notice of option, and then you would ultimately need a transfer of ownership. Um, you'll need three documents in order to do a option agreement. Um, and that's so it just depends on, I guess, which technique you're using. But based on the, the actual question, you, you need an, an assignment of judgment to show that you are the person who now owns it. That gets filed with the court, and that means you can now collect on it or receive any payments on it. Okay. And, and Michael, do those need to be filed at the courthouse in some way? Um, the assignment, in order to prove ownership, absolutely, the assignment does. And if I do my option agreement, I also need to have my option agreement filed at the courthouse to make it a matter of record so that the title company is willing to talk to me. Because without it, um, they're going to go to the original creditor and talk to them. So I have to have my paperwork in order. Just like in real estate, you know, it, it's it's about the paperwork. You have the right paperwork, everything's easy. You, you try to make this stuff up from scratch, um, you know, you're going to have some headaches. Okay, okay. And James has a second question, which is, does Michael prefer to work with judgments that are to individuals, i.e. Joe Smith, or to companies, i.e. Dr. Joe Smith's doctor business? Um, you know, that's also a, a good question. And the answer really is, it depends. 
my first choice would be to go from individual to individual, meaning that the debtor is an individual and I'm, I'm buying a judgment from an individual. I also like business judgments where the debtor is a business, but only if I know that the business is still in operation. Uh, because if the business is still operation, it's really easy to get cash from that business, and the business doesn't even need to own real estate. So there's lots of ways to actually recover money, all using the court system, of course. But um, if the business is still operation, yeah, absolutely, I'll still go after that. But my preference would be individuals because individuals, for the most part, are the ones that own property today. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, 772-9658 or 877 If you'd like to give us a call, if you're one of these folks that I think is probably surreptitiously listening to us at work, you can just send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. We won't use your full name if you don't want us to, but do please tell us what area you are emailing from because it just helps enormously uh, in the uh, process of letting the guests ask the, answer the questions correctly. Now, Michael, um, there's probably, just, just as, as with any kind of new niche sort of thing that looks like it could be highly profitable here, there's probably a lot of people sort of sitting there going, oh, yeah, I should absolutely do this. Can, can you give us some of, the, some of the don'ts about the judgment lien business, like things we should avoid? Um, well, the, the big no-no from my perspective is I never talk to the debtors. I don't like to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to meet them. I don't want to talk to them. I just want to get paid. So, uh, And this is against the people that own the money, so I, I don't do any of that. That's a big no-no in my book. And you're not required to talk to them. And so that if I ever have to go out and recover money on a judgment, I do it all through the court system. So make sure that you follow the, the laws that are out there. And, and by the way, Vina, I'm not really teaching anything. I mean, the option thing, yeah, okay, that's something that I created. But the whole process for using the court system to get paid on a judgment, uh, and I teach and, and have 25 different ways in my back pocket for how to force a judgment to get paid off literally anytime I want to. But those techniques have been around for over 200 years. So this is not new stuff. I just spent some time figuring it out and saying, oh, okay, this is how it works, because there was nobody out there uh, to teach me how to do it, and there's nobody out there doing it now. So, you know, I'm the only one that talks about it <laughs> once in a while and show people how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't talk to the debtor. Um, I would only do the court system. And, um, oh, um, for the here's a judgment that I don't like to go after. I don't like to go after personal injury judgments because it, there's a lot of emotion involved. So if somebody was injured or felt that they were injured or it's a car accident or something like that, I generally stay away from those, but that's my personal preference. It's not a requirement by law, but I figured out that, you know, when I'm dealing with lots of high emotions, you know, he said, she said, you know, they're right, they did this to me, you know, it's like I just don't really want to get involved in that, so I just personally stay away from it. Mm-hmm. And does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. We got a question here from Gregory, who lives in San Diego. <laughs> Gregory says practically every seller in San Diego is upside down on his mortgage. <laughs> Do you check the first lien position before optioning a second judgment, given that there may not be enough equity to pay off the judgment? Nope, not at all. I don't even bother. And, and here's why. And 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 I know Gregory may say, "Well, why don't you do that?" You know, and I'll give you a really easy answer. Considering that I'm optioning a judgment, I have $1 out of my pocket. If somebody is not in a forced sale situation, and I'll talk about a forced sale situation in just a second, but if they're not in a forced sale, meaning they're not in foreclosure, 
and they go to voluntarily sell that property, whether they're upside down on their mortgage or not, they still have to pay off the debt on the property in order to give clear title. So that means they may have to come out of pocket, give clear title to the next buyer. In a for sale situation, I, I can still option those judgments. And what I look for is that even if, let's go back to the example, Vina, that I was walking you through earlier, a $100,000 house, $10,000 judgment on it, and let's say that was a short sale, and somebody was coming in to do a short sale, and um, somebody now, let's say, Vina, that you're coming in and you're buying this house at a big discount. Well, in order to give clear title, and, and Vina, just for, from, you, you get to answer this question, in order for you to give clear title to your buyer that you're going to flip this deal to because you're doing a short sale, do you still have to pay off my judgment that's attached to the house in order to give clear title? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, you still got to pay it off. So even though that $10,000 judgment, maybe now I'm not getting 10000 maybe now I'm getting 2500 So, Vina, then the question would be to you is if you option it for 1000 and you got paid off at $2,500, would you still do that deal? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With so a dollar in it, You didn't make all yeah. the money, okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't get 13000 out of it, right? But I still made a $1,500 profit with only $1 at risk out of my pocket. So I just option them all. I sit back and I wait to see what the title company says. If I get paid, great. If I don't get paid, I walk away and find another deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've only got a dollar out of pocket, so why not? Well, for for our more sophisticated listeners, let, let let's take a jump into the weeds here, and ask ask the question that uh, when when it is a short sale situation, as you mentioned, uh, are you finding any hangups with the first mortgager not agreeing to short unless you who have the second lien short like down to literally nothing? Well. Generally, it's going to be somewhere between 1,000 or 10% sometimes they'll do that. If I know the property is in foreclosure, I'm typically, well, let me, give you, let me give you my exact guidelines. When a property that I know is in foreclosure and I go to option it, get this, I'm optioning those judgments at 3 to $0.05 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Because you know because you can get Because I know 10. that there's more risk in there. Right. <laughs> okay. I know that there, somebody's going to negotiate me down, and so I'll take whatever the payoff is going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, very good. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're going to take a quick time out here and give you the opportunity to call here in the last couple of minutes of the show at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Program support on WMKV comes from the Manor House Restaurant. Located on the campus of Maple Knoll Village, the Manor House offers lunch and dinner, as well as Sunday brunch and weekend buffets. Private party rooms are also available. Information and reservations at 513-782-4300. That's 513-782-4300. The time is 546. We have 89 degrees right now at 89.3 FM WMKV. Let's take one more check at traffic this hour. We'll have more traffic coming away in the 6 o'clock hours. Part of WMKV means business coming up. We still have uh, just north of the tunnel downtown on northbound 71, a disabled or abandoned car in that area. That's northbound 71, just north of the tunnel. Another accident, this one just in in Indiana, westbound 74, west of the Ohio state line, near the 165-mile marker. Southbound 75, south of 7th Street, we have the right shoulder, easy for me to say, southbound 75, south of 7th Street, the right shoulder block. Pippin Road at Pippin Court, an accident with injuries. Dana and Wabash, an accident. 
There's no lane given, but we still are in the cleanup stages of an accident eastbound 275 at 5 Mile. Our earlier accident should be just about cleaned up, Paddock and Tennessee, and one with injury, so it might still be blocking some traffic, State Route 128 and Willie. You can get more Artemis updates anytime by dialing 511 from most phones. Clear tonight with a low in the upper 60s. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Slight chance of a shower or a thunderstorm in the afternoon with a high in the lower 90s. And Thursday night, lows dropping down into the lower 70s with a 50% chance of rain. You're listening to WMKV and Real life real estate investing welcome back to real life real estate investing i'm your host vena jones cox we're in about the last 10 minutes of the show here and we welcome your calls on judgments and liens for michael warren at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com we have we have an email here from Christy in Cincinnati, and I, I almost could have bet that this one was going to come in, Michael. As soon as as soon as we said judgments and liens, I, I knew something like this was going to happen. She says, "You ha- you said you have twenty five ways to collect debt. Can you just Uh-oh. tell me how to collect against a tenant who left owing me over seven thousand dollars? I've been trying to collect on. I have a judgment. I've been trying to collect on this judgment for two years with no luck. Just give me one clue." <laughs> oh, um, well, the first clue, um, and you says Christy, right? Yes. Okay, so Christy, the first clue is. Uh, don't bother trying to contact the uh, the debtor because they don't want to pay you. If they if they really felt uh, guilty about it and wanted to pay you, they would have done so. So they they don't want to. Here's something that you can do. I'll, I'll give you. Well, Venus, should I go with an easy technique or an advanced technique? What well, start with the easy, and if we have time, we'll do the advanced. <laughs> okay. Well, there are two things that you can do. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you two easy ones. The first thing I would do is find out where the debtor uh, works, you pro- and that's really easy to do. You probably have that information already. And when you find out where they work, you can go and do something that's called garnish their wages. And when you garnish a person's wages, you're allowed by law to take 25% of a person's paycheck per pay period for a period of 90 days. Now, after 90 days, if the judgment's not paid off, no big deal. You just do it again, and you keep doing it in these 90-day windows. So you, you figure based on however much they make, you know, 25%, you can pretty much predict exactly how long it's going to take to collect on that judgment. Another thing that you could do, Christy, is you could simply go out and you could seize any and all money that's in their bank account up to the amount of what you wrote on your judgment. So you're allowed to take, by law, you can seize the bank account. Um, so th- those are two easy ways. Uh, I mean, you go, go after the wages and seize the bank account. Now, and, and I do want to point this out, when you take the, the money out of a bank account, you are not the one who's doing any of this stuff. So you're not garnishing the wages, and you are not um, seizing the funds out of the bank account, Christy. You're not doing that. Your job is you get paperwork from the courthouse. The courthouse will mail it to you, or you can drive down there and, and pick it up. You fill it out. You show them a copy of your judgment. You send it back to them. And the courthouse sends out either a sheriff or registered process server who goes out and does whatever you want them to do. So you don't do the actual collection. You just fill out paperwork provided to you by the court, mail it to the court. They do it. They collect the money. And then you ask the, or you tell the court, well, please send my check here. And then they will cut you a check and send it to you. So you don't ever contact the debtor. 
You don't ever go and do any of the collection. The court does it all for you. And this is one time where, Vina, the court system actually works to our benefit. It works the way it's supposed to, if you know how to work within the rules of how the court has already set this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully that answered. Th- those two good ones? Yes. And, my, and in my experience, Christy, once the tenant's current employer gets the garnishment notice and then jumps on the t- ex-tenant like a ton of bricks about look at this extra paperwork you're making me do uh, you know what what are you not paying your bills then the tenant calls you and works out a payment plan <laughs> that's that's a really good way to get somebody's attention in my experience uh and uh also christy one other thing i really really hope that, that your tenant left owing you over seven thousand dollars because of damages not because you let them sit there and not pay rent for six or seven months on end because a, yeah, really, <laughs> a really good way to not have a tenant owing you that much money is evict them when they get behind in their payments rather than let them continue to stay there so uh appreciate your uh question very much christy and let me go back and check if we've got any other questions in the inbox here and uh by the way you still have a minute or two to ask your questions at uh, askvina at gmail.com probably too late to take a phone call at this point in the program but uh, um, Michael what in reality I mean we're, we're throwing around these numbers like you know 15,000 14,000 2,500 what in reality is kind of the average that you can collect on one of these deals and how many realistically can someone who's working part-time do in a year um the average is probably in that eight to twelve thousand dollar range, and here's why: the average judgment today is in excess of twenty thousand um, dollars. It used to be when, when I first started, it was probably in that eight to ten thousand dollar range, and over the years, um, it's gone up and more and more and more. So the the dollar amounts of judgments are higher. So it's over twenty thousand dollars for an average judgment today. So based on whatever you option it for, you're going to keep the difference. And um, what was the second half of the question? I'm sorry. And how, it, it, most people are are going to start this part time. They're they're not going right. to open their doors tomorrow and be, have a full time collecting judgments lien business. Uh, what what are you typically finding somebody who's doing this on evenings and weekends can do in a year? How many deals? Uh, there is absolutely no reason, in my opinion, that you shouldn't be able to do one, two, or three of these a month. Because if you think about it. All you need to do is find one deal, right? You sit back and you option and you wait for it to get paid. Now, granted, I, I would like to do more, but you're letting your fingers do the walking, which means I can I can work during my lunch hour, I can work in the evening, I can work on the weekends, whatever it is. And since I'm not going to the court, and since I'm not meeting creditors and debtors, and I'm not going to title cups, and I'm not doing any of that, that I can actually do a whole lot more deals, which means, you know, at the end of the year, there's no reason that you couldn't do, if you just did one a month, that's 12. And if you average, let's say, just ten thousand a piece, that's one hundred twenty thousand dollars for the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of stupid money, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's not uh, it's not unrealistic. One a month, yeah, that's not unrealistic at all. Mm-hmm. And and what's interesting about this, of course, is that from from the perspective of a of a real estate investor who would typically talk to the seller, go out, look at the house, evaluate it, work up an offer, put in the offer, go find financing. You you don't really care about any of that because it's not it's not your real estate deal. Someone else has already done all that part and decided to buy it, and you're just stepping in and, and getting the judgment. Correct. Yeah, I, I just step in. It's going to get paid off one way or the other. And so I step in because I use some very specific knowledge. I step in, 
and I become the, the guy in the middle who now gets the lion's share of the profit. And, and the, the seller and the buyer are still under the exact same terms that they were anyway. The seller's got to pay it off. He knows he's got to pay it off, so there's no choice. The, the buyer's coming in. They're buying the property. It doesn't change their numbers at all. So from both their perspectives, it hasn't changed anything. I just step in because I know what to do with it, and I'm making a profit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, I think we have time for one more quick uh, question here via email. This one is from Nick in St. Louis. Nick says, I came in a little late, so maybe I missed something, but how do you tell which properties have judgments on them? Actually, that's really easy, Nick. And what I do is I will go and first I'll find a property that's for sale or under contract. I then see who the owner of the property is, and then I go and search in the online records. A lot of counties, not every county, but a lot of counties have online access to their records now, which means I can go online and search out the owner of the property's name, see if they have a judgment. If they have a judgment, bingo, I'm in business. I'm going to go contact the creditor, try to option, and then I sit back and wait for payday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty fast, but that makes sense to you, Venus? Yeah, what what happens if what happens if the debtor's name really is John Jones? I mean, there's <laughs> there's going to be a hundred um, John Joneses in our in our public records with with uh, judgments against them. Right, and and here's the easy 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 answer to that. What I need to do is I need to match up the name of the of uh, the owner of the property and the property address with the name on the judgment and the address of where that debtor was served. If those two addresses and names match, I got a hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is not complicated, mm -hmm. right? I mean, what are the odds that somebody named John Jonas lived at 123 Main Street? Right. Two John Jonas's <laughs> lived at the same address. Right. Right. Okay. And we another e email just came in from a different James who lives here in Cincinnati. This is not the one that that had the question before he says and how do i find the contact information for the person who is owed the money it's listed on the judgment every judgment has a listing of who is being sued and who's doing the suing uh -huh. um, so you, this the person who's doing the suing is called called the creditor and the person who got sued um like christie's tenant is the debtor mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's listed right on the judgment the paperwork's there i mean everything you need is all public record and it's all uh, all that information is available for free. Wow, that's uh, that's great, Michael. And and it, it, you know, it sounds it sounds good. It sounds like some one of these things that folks who say you know I work I work twelve hour shifts, I can't get into real estate, could actually maybe do <laughs> because it's it's mostly on the computer. So uh, I right. appreciate you sharing all this information with us today, and I look forward to seeing you at the Ohio RIA conference that's coming up in November, and which once again, listeners you need to stay tuned about because you need to be there. There's so many good reasons, not the least of which is <laughs> your pledge supports public radio. Woohoo, public radio. So thank you very much, Michael. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in November. And uh, we will be back next week with even more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. So until then, happy investing. Live the memories and love the memories. I like the old-time radio shows like uh, 11.30 to 12, all the comedies. They're, they're my favorites. Well, they just have to listen and then they'll like it. 89.3 FM, WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Stay tuned for the Fox 19 6 p.m. news simulcast coming up next on WMKV, Reading, Ohio and WMKVFM.org.
evening. We begin with breaking news tonight out of Philadelphia. Two people are missing in the Delaware River. They were on a duck boat carrying 39 people that flipped over when it was hit.